I have learned over and over again that, that building technology and building a great company is just all about the people. And all of the most successful stories I have are with some of the great people that we have throughout our organization, many of whom have now been around four or five years. Uh, that is what gives me, in, in addition to driving great results for our customers, that is actually what gives me as a CEO great joy. What's up, Zach Oates here, author, entrepreneur, and customer relationship guru. Welcome to Give Innovation, growth strategies for restaurants and retailers, where we find industry leaders to share their secrets to grow your business. This podcast is sponsored by Ovation, the actionable guest feedback tool that works on or off premise and is easy, real time, and actually drives revenue. Learn more at OvationUp.com. Welcome to another edition of Give and Ovation. I am joined today by Zach Goldstein, the founder and CEO of Thanks, a leading guest engagement and retention platform for restaurants. Now, he is not just a fun guy in a pretty face. He's also a brainiac, Stanford MBA, and then Bain, where he helped companies with retention and rewards. He's on uh, the Nation's Restaurant News 2020 Power List and a very entertaining podcast called Food Fighters. Zach, welcome to Give and Ovation, man. Thanks, Zach. Really happy to be here. First of all, love the name. I think it's it's wonderful. It suits you. You you do all Zach's well. Um, now, for people who aren't familiar with Thanks, maybe they haven't gone to a trade show recently. Maybe they haven't opened up a lot of uh, web browsers. But talk to us a little bit about what is what is Thanks? Why is it different? Yeah, Thanks is a CRM and marketing automation platform, custom built for offline businesses. We specialize in restaurants and retailers. Uh, in particular. Um, our belief is that most of these brands have historically really struggled to know who are their guests and to drive incremental purchasing. And traditional loyalty programs have been more focused on rote rewards. We call ourselves uh, a next-gen loyalty program, uh, really focused on maximizing lifetime value, driving repeat purchasing, and, and weaning brands off of spray and pray forms of marketing that frankly are no longer effective. Yeah, so let's talk about loyalty, if you don't mind. I'm, I'm sure you have some thoughts on the subject. Um, what what is it if you when you go into a restaurant? What do you typically see are some of the fundamental errors in a loyalty system? Yeah, I think about this actually as as the evolution of loyalty, and what everyone has historically or recently thought of as loyalty is what we call loyalty 1.0 which is rote rewards, just a basic program that's given out discounts every time you do X. It's buy 10, get one free is the most standard version of rote rewards. And there is a huge chunk of the restaurant industry that is still stuck in loyalty 1.0. There are some brands that are literally today launching loyalty 1.0 programs. I find it to be a huge mistake. Loyalty 2.0 uh, has been something that we've seen a lot more of uh, in the last couple of years. This is brands moving away from a single rote rewards program and towards more personalized forms of loyalty, focused on driving incremental purchasing by shifting people to a time of day that they don't often go to or shifting them to a different part of menu that they don't often go to. It's still about driving an incremental purchase, but it's slightly more personalized by grouping people into segments. Loyalty 3.0 is what we have been working towards on the last year, and we believe to be Whoa, cutting I, edge. I still thought we were at 2.0. We're already getting to 3.0. Okay, talk to us about 6G networking here. 
<laughs> we are in the 6G. That's right. And at the end of the day, it comes down to one-to-one. -one. It comes down to treating every guest as an individual. This is precisely what's been happening in the e-commerce world for a decade now. Every single advertisement that someone sees on Instagram is perfectly hard targeted to them. Uh, and yet loyalty programs are still just giving everyone the same discount. As we move towards loyalty 3.0, it's about what we call life cycle automations. What happens when someone does X behavior, dropping them into a customer journey and talking to them as an individual in order to best maximize the odds of them returning. And this, this matters so much because it's precisely what DoorDash, Uber Eats are doing with customers, truly personalized marketing. And if you're not competing uh, with the exact same tools to win that incremental visit from a customer, they're going to take it instead. And I think that's so right. I often talk with people about how we are not competing. Your restaurant is not competing with the tech stack of Joe's Pizza down the street. They're competing with the tech stack of Amazon, of DoorDash, of Uber Eats. And when it feels overwhelming, like there's no way you can compete with that. It's like the fact of the matter is you can't unless you partner with the right people, right? Like that's, that's why there's companies like Ovation and Thanks that exist because we were able to, uh, at, at a small amount, we do the, the dev work to compete. And then at a small amount monthly or however you guys charge, you're able to really compete with those big guys leveraging other technology, right? And that's, and that's the, the hard truth of it is, is the fact that you aren't competing with the guy down the street anymore. Because like you said, DoorDash, they're going to eat your lunch, right? They have all that data. And, and with that, Zach, why has it taken so long for the standard uh, best practices of e-commerce that have been around for five, 10 years? Why has it taken so long to matriculate into the restaurant space? Yeah, restaurants are complicated, obviously. That's been a huge understatement. And yeah. so the reality is capturing data about your customer in a restaurant has, a, has always been a point of friction. You got to convince the consumer to sign up for this thing. You got to convince them to use it. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that we were asking consumers at the point of register to provide their email or scan a QR code or check in or these things all represent friction. No wonder consumers didn't participate in them and no wonder restaurants were lacking data. And the reality is if you don't have data, you cannot do anything more than treat all your customers the same. Enter the digital revolution, which has been critical in driving off-premise business for restaurants, which is obviously a huge growth vector. But what people are often missing about what happened in the digital transformation that we've seen leading up to COVID, but especially in COVID, is digital is a much better data capture mechanism. And so mm -hmm. now restaurants are swimming with a lot more information about who are my customers. And that matters because they can now use these personalization tools to fight back. And they have to. I'll tell you a quick story that I experienced, I don't know, a week or two ago. I was actually uh, looking to order from one of our customers, Starboard Chicken uh, in San Francisco. I love Aaron. Uh, Aaron Novishin is a very smart operator uh, and a wonderful maker of food, too. And so I was looking to order, and I always do this before I order. And obviously, I order through first party every chance I can, and we built their uh, website and application, and so that made it easy. However, I always check what's, what's DoorDash doing, what's Uber Eats doing, because I just want to know, and I do the same order at the same time. I literally typed in Starboard Chicken into DoorDash, 
and a different chicken concept popped up ahead of them in the search results with $5 off. I mean, wow. that is disgusting behavior. And, but more importantly, it's massively threatening to the brand. Yeah. And so this is why loyalty is so key. This is why first party digital ordering is so key because every time you let your customer type your brand into the search bar on a third party, you run the risk of losing them. And every time they come to you because you have better prices or better loyalty rewards or whatever it is, you can maintain and build on that relationship. Which is why it kills me, Zach, when I go to these restaurants and I see order on Grubhub, order on DoorDash stickers there or business cards by the point of sale. It's like I told people, I'll give you 2000 free text messages to send to your customers, customers if you show me a before and after picture of you getting unstuck and taking those stickers and those signs down because they're your customers. They've come to your website. If I do all this work to get someone to my website, I'm not then going to pay a referral fee to someone else to get them to come back a second time. It's like, I own, I should own those customers. So too with data and the digital revolution has finally enabled us restaurants to, to get that done. I completely agree. Uh, to me, there is absolutely no reason to ever promote on your channel, whether that's your storefront or your website, a link to a third-party delivery ordering platform. You should, you, you would be better off without the revenue than pointing it to them because all you're doing is getting a short-term win for a very massive middle or long-term pain. And guess what happens when something goes wrong with these third parties? Who, who comes into the rescue? Well, the third parties do, even if they mess up. And then guess what? They refund the customer, charge you full price. Then they give them, uh, you know, credit for DoorDash, for Uber Eats. And so they're exactly not ordering right. from you again next time. They're ordering from DoorDash or Uber Eats next time. It is mind-blowing how often that happens. And, and no one talks about it. I completely agree with you, Zach. They, they charge you. They say there was an error with the order. The restaurant pays the full price. DoorDash puts that into DoorDash credits. They're not even specific to the restaurant. So the restaurant just bought DoorDash credits for the customer, often for something they didn't even do wrong. Many times it's DoorDash who messed it up, and that's why the cold food is cold. And so great business model for DoorDash, and I commend their approach to customer service, which is uh, often much better than their competitors. But they do it sometimes quite often directly at the cost of the restaurant. Yeah. And it's one of those things where there's people who, you know, it's now I'll be very clear what I don't, which I'm not saying, I don't know if you're saying this, Zach, I'm not saying don't use third party. I'm just saying leverage the data that you have and convert those third party into first party. Right. It was um, Expedia, the, the CEO of Expedia. He said, shame on me. If, oh no, shame, you know, I, I give you, I built this platform and I'll give you a customer and shame on you if you don't get them the second time. Right. Yeah. It was the CEO of Expedia. He's also now the CEO of Uber Eats. Of Uber Eats. So. That's right. I, I was reading about this in a book that you're featured in, which is uh, Delivering the Digital Restaurant, which is a fantastic book. Loved your chapter. Thought your quotes were great, Zach. Um, Thank you. So going back to when you first founded Thanks. What what were some of the things that you wish you would have known then that you know now to have maybe, um, you know, some things that you, you, yeah, I guess, sorry, Kyle, let's edit out this question a little bit because it just was kind of awkward there. Zach, what are some things you wish you would have known when you started Thanks that you know now? 
well, uh, I might have been willing to wait a few years because it turns out we were maybe ahead of the curve on where restaurants wanted to be. Um, the, the reality is brands um, five plus years ago were still very much in a check the box mode. Do, do I have an email marketing tool? Do I have a loyalty program? Um, do I have an ordering platform? Um, and we built differently. We built tools based on ease of use. We built tools that really showed whether you're driving an ROI. Uh, and we had unique, we have unique technology to allow us to do that. We're able to actually track when someone receives a marketing message. Did they go in and make a purchase with any payment card that we've known previously associated with to them? Those are more sophisticated and differentiated tools and industry wasn't really ready for it. Where we are today, uh, every single restaurant I talk to is looking for a 360 degree view of their customer across digital and in-store. Every single restaurant I talk to is facing margin pressure, largely because of third-party delivery. And so they have to do stuff that drives incremental revenue and can be profitable. And otherwise their CFO won't approve it. And so suddenly our focus on ease of use and data capture is a massive advantage in this category. But we were, we were working really hard on building that technology, I think, before everyone uh, re really came around. Well, and say the, the other thing, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, you know, Noah Glass, who recently was on the podcast, I think he would say the same thing. He was beating his head against the wall, telling restaurants about digital ordering, and restaurants just were not interested and then, you know, there's companies like, you know, Wade Allen, he uh, took a chance on a little company with three, four customers called Olo, and now they power Chili's, right? There's, there's some really cool stuff there because being a little ahead of the curve is, is painful, but it uh, proves, out, proves out pretty well for most. I think that's right. And, and I have had that conversation with Noah uh, and, and their story is phenomenal. A huge success story in transforming an industry that needed that success and finally caught up to it. But yes, there were some, there were some painful years. And I think there were some uh, in, in trying to tell our story as well. And I'm very pleased to say that, especially in the last two years, despite a huge amount of pain that our customers have felt during that period, uh, this industry has taken a massive leap forward in the way they think about digital and the way they think about data. And it will be to the benefit of the brands that remain and thrive in this new era. Yeah, totally. And sorry, you were, you were saying your second point. Second one is a much simpler one. I have learned over and over again that, that building technology and building a great company is just all about the people. And all of the most successful stories I have are with some of the great people that we have throughout our organization, many of whom have now been around four or five years. Uh, that is what gives me, in, in addition to driving great results for our customers, that is actually what gives me as a CEO great joy. Uh, and I'm very lucky to have found great people uh, and continue to uh, find that the, the people are what make our business great. Just as important uh, aspect of guest experience nowadays. Well, not to sound like a broken record, but with, when it comes to guest experience, you need to know who your guest is. Uh, I think there was a period where uh, you could just deliver consistently good food, good enough service. And as long as you had a location that people wanted to go to, you were going to be successful. Um, yeah. I think that period has gone, which is not to say that good food doesn't matter or good service doesn't matter. They very much do. But if in your response to those things, 
you come off a little tone deaf because you treat everyone exactly the same. Unfortunately, guests are guests expect more now. We live in a different era where there's a lot more information. And so when you engage to deliver guest experience, whether they are on site and you need to know that this person is a VIP customer or whether they are uh, uh, 48 hours after their last purchase and you're responding to a specific piece of feedback that they've offered, the context behind that and how you engage with that guest is increasingly critical. And I see brands that are using that context and figuring out how to capture data that can be activated, those are the ones that are standing out. I, I actually vividly remember during the uh, Chipotle uh, food health era, mm-hmm. uh, where they had a couple issues. I got a, and I had, I was not going to Chipotle at the time at all. Actually, I got a printed mailer that said, "Dear valued customer, we'd like you to return." It is no surprise that Chipotle has one of the leading and most established loyalty programs in the country now. Why? Because that dear valued customer stuff, that doesn't work. And that was probably a very expensive way for them to claw themselves out of a a troubled time. They have a lot more data now. They'll never be in that predicament again. And I totally agree that it takes, it really does take all of this data looking holistically at a customer because you can't segment your customers by how they order. You have to segment your customers by who they are because I order on third party, direct, in store, drive through. And that's not a different restaurant. That's just based on what my schedule is. And we have to meet customers where they're at. And the other thing is, you know, back in the day, food used to be table stakes. You had to have good food. And then comes the service revolution. And then the second, the second pillar was added to restaurant table stakes, which was service. And now with the digital, digital revolution, for the first time in like 100 years, the third table stakes has been added to restaurants, which is digital. You have to have all three now to be a restaurant. It's no longer about just the food, just the service. You got to have the digital as well. And, and, and I would add, and you've heard me say this before, Zach, but I would add that digital in the last three-ish years, I agree, became a source, was a source of differentiation and now became table stakes. Uh, you could create massive advantage for your brand relative to the industry by being better at digital. That's becoming much harder now. You can only lose by being bad at digital. You can't really win that way. The next area where we're going to see winners really stand out is using the data that comes from being digitally enabled to be better than your competition. That's yes. the next era. Totally. And I think one, one aspect of all of this data collection, something that both you and I focus on extreme amounts of effort on with our product is making it frictionless for the guest. If it's not easy for the guest to give their data, they won't. And so you have to come up. It's not just about having tools to get the data. It's about making it frictionless. And that and that's something I feel like Thanks does, you know, top of the industry. I think you guys are leading the way in making sure that it is frictionless for the guests. Um, completely agree, Zach. It, without ease, you, nothing will happen. And I, in fact, that's two sides. If a loyalty program is painful to interact with, It turns out most people don't interact with 60% of loyalty memberships in the restaurant industry are inactive, which means that customer is still a customer of yours, but they're not giving you any data. Why? Because people hate fumbling with their phone in front of some QR code scanner 
or scanning some barcode on their receipt that doesn't quite work or providing their phone number to a server who's going to go walk away and type it into a point of sale, which is kind of sketchy, to especially to about 50% of the population. Those things all represent friction that makes customers not engage with them. So no wonder data capture has been meaningfully impaired. So any, anything that you would say of successful things that you've seen in the restaurant industry lately? Yes. And in fact, it really does tie to this. I think in many ways where we see brands make things easier, they win. I'll give you a good example of one that I find so funny today. When when you sit down at a a restaurant, you scan the QR code and it pulls up their website. And then you got to click around to find the menu. And then you have to wait for the server still. We're not making things easier for the customer. We're making it harder. And it's a little bit of health theater at the end of the day, because no one has gotten sick Mm -hmm. by holding a paper menu. So it's kind of absurd. (laughs) However, I like that, Zach. It's it's completely. However, I had an experience uh, at Takaya in LA. You walk up, there's a line at the register. So instead of waiting at the register, you go sit down at an open table where there's a QR code. You scan the QR code. You order everything you want, food and drinks. And the food, gets, you pay right there on your phone and the food gets brought out to you. And now you skip the line and it was a much more efficient process. By the way, because it's on thanks, that's automatically earned loyalty rewards. And if you go and buy another drink 15 minutes later with the same payment card at the register, we know it's you. And so you earn rewards on that too. That is easier. And that's the way the restaurant industry is evolving. Yeah, absolutely. And we, we've loved working with Takaya. Matt Smith over there is just great, really sharp guy. Love the brand that they're building. Love the aesthetics of it. Um, if you have a chance to go to Takaya, definitely go check it out. It's masterclass in, in restaurant branding. Um, completely agree. So Zach, who deserves a, an ovation in the restaurant industry today? Well, I think a lot of brands actually are now starting to get it. But really, I would, I would commend a recent range of IPOs uh, in the tech portion of the business and on the restaurant side of the business, frankly. And so when you think about who's really succeeding, uh, you think about the Olos and Toasts and their IPOs recently. You think about the Portillos uh, and Sweetgreen IPOs that have happened or are coming. Uh, These are brands that almost by definition, given that they're IPOing in 2021, looked at COVID, stared the challenge in the face and said, we're not going to be intimidated by this. We are going to invest and grow. And those were risky decisions in the uncertainty that we all remember, but some of us have kind of forgotten a bit given how crazy it's been. April, 2020, no one knew what the hell the future held. Those were bold decisions by bold leaders and we're seeing more and more of that in a restaurant industry that has historically been fairly conservative. And so people making long-term bets, even at the expense of short-term pain, we're seeing it pay off. We're seeing some of those bets at Chipotle pay off. Uh, and those, those are not without risk. We need more of that in this industry to embrace the future. And I commend all of those leaders who have taken their businesses there. Awesome. Well, how, does, how do people find you, follow you, Zach? Uh, well, the best way is thanks.com, T-H-A-N-X.com, where you can learn everything about, about thanks. Um, but you can also find me on Twitter, Z Goldstein, and obviously LinkedIn, where I write sometimes interesting things. 
Um, and so th- those would be the places to, to track me down. Awesome. Well, Zach, for helping us grow our understanding of this 6G 3.0 Tomorrowland loyalty and ditching the punch cards to a system that makes our customers say thanks, today's ovation goes to you, man. Thanks for joining us on Given Ovation. It was a pleasure, Zach. Thank you. Glad you're with us today and thank you. Thank you to the risk takers, the troublemakers, the crazies who are keeping this world clothed and fed. You're the ones who deserve an ovation. Again, this podcast was sponsored by Ovation. To see how we can help you grow your business, go to OvationUp.com. Don't forget to subscribe. And as always, remember to give someone in your life an ovation today.